0: You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome and realize it's not normal. It's toxic.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Bridge Your Life of Toxic People. Of course, this is Dr. Heidi, because who else would it be? Um, I am just complaining to the guests that we have on today that I have lost my Montana blood because I'm complaining about the temperature. And it really isn't that bad. And I feel like Either I'm getting old, which I am, I have a birthday next week, or um, I am just one of those people who's going to keep moving further and further south as my life progresses. Um, Okay, so today I'm super excited about uh, the guest that we have today. I had a chance to chat with her about a week ago. And as it turns out, we have actually a ton in common, both in our past and in the work that we do now. So after talking to her, I think there's a lot of you who could benefit from uh, what she has to say today and maybe possibly her services. So I will make sure that you know how to get a hold of her. But I want to
2: welcome Wendy. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Yes, and I'm just going, I'm just going to read this fabulous um, bio because people are going to people are going to be like, how did Dr. Heidi get somebody so famous on the podcast?
2: <laughs> You're so sweet.
1: <laughs> Wendy is a top divorce media personality, international divorce coach, life transition specialist, and founder of the Divorce Rehab. She helps newly divorced men and women who are having trouble moving forward and tired of feeling stuck, pain, fear, resentment, anger, and guilt to find joy, self-worth, and freedom. Wendy has been featured on NBC, Thrive Go Global, Medium, Hello Divorce, Romper, and has been a guest on the Divorce Survival Podcast, Moms Moving On, The Smart Woman Show, and the Divorce and Beyond Podcast, just to name a few. Wendy is also a speaker, the host of the Divorced Women's Guide Podcast, an author, an advanced theta healer, and a mom of two amazing boys. See your face? Yes, <laughs> that's you. That's you. It's that's just so fun. little old me. <laughs> I did, I did say that when they read him, you're like, oh,
2: oh, that sounds so great. But, but I know, you know, I'm like, wow, that's me.
1: <laughs> I know, you've got so much stuff going on. And after talking to you last week, um, I really admire your work, obviously. Um, like I said, ours parallel. But it's, it's just so fun to be able to communicate with people who like understand and are, you know have the same goals. And um, today, what we're going to talk about is something that we talk about all the time. And we hear it all the time. And our friends tell us this all the time and they encourage us to do this. And it's one of those things that we go, yeah, that's a great idea. How are we supposed to do that? And what we're gonna talk about with Wendy today is um, setting boundaries. When I work with my clients, I go through a lot of the character traits of the toxic personality because it's in understanding those traits um, that you're gonna gonna find the, the power to make a change. And crossing your boundaries is one of the character traits that the toxic personality uses in order to feel power and control over you. So when you set a boundary or you try to set a boundary within a toxic relationship, that is basically you taking control. And and as you know, in that particular situation or in that friendship or in that coworker situation, you're not allowed to have control. So for the toxic personality to regain control, of course, they're gonna step over, they're gonna squash, they're gonna kick your boundaries out of the way so that they feel power and control over you, which makes them feel much more secure. So what happens in a toxic relationship, or at least it's what happened to me in my toxic relationship and looking back, it's almost embarrassing to, to really watch the progress of how this happened. But when when you try to set a boundary and it causes conflict or it makes a problem, uh, we start setting smaller boundaries and even smaller boundaries or just saying no can still cause a conflict or cause a problem. So so what we tend to do is we don't want to cause conflict or cause a problem or be criticized or be name called. So eventually we quit setting boundaries and then we don't really feel any power. We don't voice our opinion. We don't make our own decisions. And and that's that's kind of where I was. And when when we talked about talking about this, I remember this is the first time I remembered this. I had a really close friend um, when I was married to my former husband, and um, she had watched our relationship, you know, quite a bit. She knew what was going on. And one day she sent me an email, and she it really felt like she was chewing me out. Now it was at a point in my relationship that I was absolutely completely exhausted. Like I didn't, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel like I had any options. I felt stuck. And she sent me an email and it felt like she was chewing me out. Okay. And then the last line of the email, it's so crazy that I remember this, said, You don't have any boundaries. Okay. I'm still in the confusion of of this. And I got mad and I blocked her. Now looking back, She was totally trying to help me, but I took it as a total insult and I blocked her. I haven't, I haven't talked to her since. So when we talked about setting boundaries, it made me remember that email. And I'm like, I was just so blinded and maybe used to being insulted and people judging me for not standing up for myself that I just thought she was insulting me and I blocked her. You know, The, the other thing that was funny is, is in that 12 year relationship, you know, my mom was very supportive, but because she'd never been in anything like that, she didn't know how to support me. And right now I'm looking at my bookcase and my mother sent me three copies of the boundary book. And I remember the first time I got it, I was like, oh, this is going to be the answer. This is going to be the way I'm going to fix this whole thing. And I read the whole thing and thought, I feel like I've already tried all this, you know, and I think she just forgot she'd sent me that book. So a few years later, I got it again. And then I got it again. And and so so when we were talking about doing boundaries, my brain started kind of going on it. And so I'm super interested to hear what you say because it wasn't it wasn't on purpose that I quit setting boundaries, you know, for sure. It was like a conditioned response, I guess. So so why don't you go ahead and tell us what you do and, and just dive into the boundary thing, you know that my listening demographic is coming out or still in, you know, unhealthy relationships.
2: Yeah. So, well, you know, this is one of my favorite topics and I, you know, so much so that I I created a course called the B word, because to me, the B word is boundaries. And it's something that it took my divorce for me to learn and for me to realize that I had had none in place. So, you know, I grew up in, um, you know, a very female dominant home. Um, I'm also the, you know, the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors and, you know, Mm -hmm. everything in my childhood was about fitting in, right. Coming to America, wanting to fit in. And, um, part of that was also abiding by, you know, the rules of, um, my family and, you know, that, the, because I was a female, it was, you know, just smile, sit pretty and, you know, don't, don't cause a muck, right? Don't right. Know, ruffle feathers, just, you know, nod your head and smile kind of a thing. And um, at the time, you know, and please understand, I'm very close with my family, and you know, they didn't know any better coming to this country, right? right? So, um, but what ended up happening was that I realized that anytime I had an opinion of myself, I was silenced. And it wasn't from the um, perspective that it wasn't important. It was that, you know, we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. We're here and we just, we want everyone to like to like us, right? So we're just gonna agree with what everybody else says. And so having grown up with that and trying to fight back, it just got to the point where I was like, why am I even bothering doing this? And so what I realized was that I brought that into my marriage, right? Where I um, you know, I was with my now ex-husband, we were together for 23 years, married for 16, had that Facebook facade perfect marriage that everyone thought, you know, oh, they're the last couple that's gonna get divorced. And little did people know that. My ex-husband and I were in a codependent marriage that um, he did have narcissistic characteristics and I completely and utterly lost myself And what I came to learn later is the reason I lost myself was because I didn't know where I began and he ended because everything I did was in the lens of who I thought I was supposed to be, who everyone saw me being. And it really wasn't until I used my voice and learned how by, you know, leaving corporate America and becoming a life coach specifically, you know, in specializing in divorce and life transition, that I was able to realize that my voice mattered and in order for me to use it, I had to learn, you know, how to use it constructively, how to use it so that people actually heard me. And the biggest foundation for that was understanding that I didn't have any boundaries. And so what I really set out to do was to understand, you know, what does my voice sound like? What is it that I like? I didn't, you know, I remember, the first year that i was separated and my parents came down to take me to dinner for my birthday and they were like where do you want to go let's go to your favorite restaurant i was like i don't even know what my favorite I have restaurant no idea is. i have no idea what that is um because it was always what you know my former husband wanted and so um or i picked whatever i knew he wanted right because his mm-hmm. taste was my taste and so um it really took me understanding that boundaries are about Uh, you know, knowing what it is that you like, what you don't like, what you will tolerate, what you will not tolerate. And really boundaries are rules, they're guidelines, they're limitations that enable you to tell other people how it is that you want to engage with them, how it is that it is permissible to engage with you. And at the time, like I'm sure so many of your listeners, we become afraid to set boundaries because we're afraid we're going to push people away. We're afraid of the ramifications, right? We are, we're fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, um, fear of resentment, or we have guilt. And so all of those reasons prevent us from actually uh, you know, using boundaries and and speaking up for ourselves. And so it's, it's almost like a re-education of what boundaries are intended to do which ultimately is to bring you together to create closer relationships with the people in your life instead of always feeling uncomfortable And like I'm sure a lot of your listeners, I am a recovering people pleaser. Um, I I loved when I saw how happy I made people with the things I did, the things I agreed to, but at the same time, what was I doing to myself? Well, Mm -hmm. I was saying no to myself and I was saying yes to everybody else because I constantly sought external validation, which many of us who are in narcissistic, toxic relationships, codependent relationships, that's the cycle that we become accustomed to, and so what I always tell my clients is that there's very small, easy steps that you can start to take to really start communicating with people um, where it is that you know what is what is permissible and what is not. What are ways in which you're okay interacting with that person? And I was so I remember I was so terrified at first because you know. I watched you know, I just I, I didn't know what to expect right because it felt so foreign and it felt so uh-huh. different. And I'll never forget the first time where I actually set a boundary with my ex where um, you know and this is one example when we were separated, he would drive onto my driveway to drop my kids off. And I, as you mentioned, I am, you know, a theta healer, I do energy work, and I could feel like I just felt really uncomfortable. I didn't like that he was on my property. And energetically, I just didn't I wasn't comfortable with it. And I thought to myself, well, maybe this is something I can test out and try to see. And so I asked him, I said, you know, when you drop the boys off, would you mind just please driving along the sidewalk? The boys can walk up my very short driveway to the front door. And I remember I was like, oh my God, I was like sweating. I was like, what is he going to say back? Because at that time we were also only communicating via email because I couldn't communicate any other way with him. And so that was a boundary, right? My boundary right. was email only, and he—that's actually a scary boundary for people for
1: people to set. Yes, because you know, what are they going to do? And they're going to get mad. So I, you know, encourage that email. So I love that you mentioned that.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, You know, and so I I communicated to him. You know, it, moving forward, when you drop the boys off, please uh, drive along the driveway, and the boys can drive up. I'm not comfortable with you being on my property, and he listened. And I I was so taken aback because I was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. This stuff actually is working. And so little by little with these little steps, I was able to really establish my voice with him. And a lot of it has to do with um, speaking from the I instead of the you, which a lot of us don't realize that we do on autopilot. And it's also about um, less is more. Right, So you don't need to explain. You don't need to justify. You just get to communicate. And what I tell all of my clients is that when you start getting into defensive mode, they know they won because they're going to come at you with the same arguments that have been used for decades on you and they know how to push your buttons. And so the second you start react, not even reacting, but responding differently, right? There's a difference between reacting and responding. Mm -hmm. And so when you respond from a place of power, which could be just a simple no or a no, thank you. Um, or, you know, that doesn't work for me. You don't have to go into, well, that doesn't work for me because then I have to move this and this and this they're going to find, right. They're going to find the little loophole and they're going to manipulate you into doing what it is that they want. But, so if you don't give them room, right, if you don't give them an inch, they're not going to take it, right? They're not going to take the mile that they have been robbing you of for most of your life. And so a lot of what I help my clients with is I teach them how to communicate and how to continuously speak from the same less is more voice, right? Mm-hmm. And to start getting into practice, it's hard for us because we've been on autopilot our whole life. Right. I was on autopilot for decades and it really wasn't until I turned 41 that I was really able to understand that I had had no boundaries in my life. And I, you know, when you, I don't mean to interrupt you, but when you're good, um, you know, that conditioning,
1: yes. You know, we are trained to be fearful of what their reaction is going to be. Yes. You know, so we feel like we have to respond and we feel like we have to answer and we feel like we have to be nice because how are they going to respond if we don't? And and I always tell my clients, you know, you, you respond, you're gonna get 27 texts. You don't respond, you're gonna get 27 texts. So, you know, you're gonna get the 27 texts anyway. So, you know, change exactly. the way you respond because it's really not gonna make that big a difference.
2: Exactly. And mm-hmm. and we think that we think that when they text us 27 times, that we have to say something different every time to make it stop. Mm-hmm. And you don't. It's really more simple than we think it is. And I don't mean to make that sound like, you know, anybody thinks that they're doing something wrong. I think that we believe it has to be harder than it actually is. And it's really about using that repetition. The less is more repetition over and over will get them to stop, you know. There was, um, you know, I've been separated slash divorced for five and a half years now. And even just last summer, like I'm really good at setting boundaries now with my ex-husband and we're, we actually have a really good co-parenting relationship, which has made life a lot easier for my kids, but it took it took practice right but even still this past summer my ex was he kept trying to push a button of mine and i was on vacation and it was during covid and he just he kept making these demands and he was trying to manipulate me and to get me to, to do what he wanted. And I remember I was like, oh my God, like, seriously, he still thinks that I'm going to bend on this. And I just, I kept firing back, not firing, but like, I kept responding to him with this like copy, paste, copy, paste. And finally after the fourth time, okay. And this is like five years later, finally, after four times he stopped asking me. Right. So it's, not about because it doesn't many times it doesn't work the first time so we're like oh, never mind it's not listening yeah. he's not listening mm-hmm. okay try it again well he didn't listen the second time okay try it again yeah. didn't listen the third time okay do it again keep doing it right because it's it's not about it. to me it's about using your voice it's not necessarily about what it is that they hear. Right. So for me, it's, it's about finding and standing in your power and Mm -hmm. taking it back. Yeah. And, and knowing that in doing that, they're trying to
1: exhaust you. So, you know, and so it's all exhaustion. It's all for
2: you to finally go, okay, fine. It's to wear you down. That's what we used to do. Right. Or they'll, you know, common reasons we don't set boundaries, right. Is you're like, just, I'm used to being the doormat. So let's just continue being the doormat or what's the right. Or, Oh God, what are they going to like, what, what's the ramification on the kids? If I, if I don't do it this Mm -hmm. way, or maybe this time will be different, you know, so it's, we talk ourselves into the the consistent behavior that we've been abiding by, and we don't Mm -hmm. even realize that we have other choices. So what my hope is with what you're hearing today, both from Heidi and myself is really to see that you do have choices. You do have Mm -hmm. options and that there is a way, there is a way out of this. There is a way to change the pattern and to, to really start enabling yourself to feel heard
1: so so for the people that are listening that are now going yes she's talking about what i want and 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 that's exactly what i want now how do i do it where where would you where do you suggest that people start because they they're not going to be ready to set a huge boundary so where where what are the things that they can start doing so that they can start building their power up to the place where you know they're operating like you are operating now
2: yeah, you know, it's it's starting with little things, right? And I know sometimes little things can feel big, right? Like I started with, you know, my ex not driving on my driveway when he dropped my kids off, right? Like is that really going to make or break? Is that a big boundary that I'm going to fight over? No, it was a request. And, you know, for me, it was kind of testing the water. So finding something that is, you know, isn't going to create, I know that when you start setting boundaries, you you believe it's going to be this big volcano that's going to erupt if you use your voice, but find something that, you know, you can start testing. That's not like a deal breaker for you, but it's a way for you to kind of start testing the waters. Mm -hmm. If you don't, don't try once, then how do you know what it sounds like? Right. Right. If so much of this is about listening, right? Listening to yourself, listening to the words, paying attention to your language, paying attention to what your voice sounds like. So pick something that's not like a big deal breaker for you and test it out and just see what happens and, and don't allow so let, it to- let me ask, let me ask you this. So yes. just because I'm thinking back. Okay. So if
1: now, I, I never had this because I never ever was in a position to co-parent, he just took my kids. Um, so we didn't have the exchanges. Right? right. But I know exactly how this would have gone with my former, I would have sent him an email that said, can you, can you please just drive along the street and not in the driveway when you drop the kids off? Okay. The next time he came, he would have purposely drove in the driveway. So like you're suggesting, I would have asked him again to not drive in the driveway because he knew he could do it. He would have driven in the driveway every single time. So so in your in where you're coming from, do you continue to ask or 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 is it a thing where you finally quit asking because now it's now he feels power by by driving in the driveway?
2: So that's the misconception, right? So you, you do it again. Hey, I, I had communicated this to you previously. Perhaps you didn't see my note. Please do not drive on my driveway, right? Mm-hmm. It's the rinse and repeat. Um, it's not, it doesn't always work the first time. And to me, like when you set a boundary, there, there gets to be a consequence. Now a consequence doesn't mean punishment. It means that there's an action that you take as a result. Mm -hmm. So it's about the rinse and repeat with the language. It could also be like, park your car at the bottom of the driveway that will not allow them to pull in, right? That was my backup plan with him was to back out my car and put it in the middle of the bottom of my driveway so that he couldn't pull in, right? Mm -hmm. And so again, we forget that there's creative ways that we can... Continue to communicate our boundary yep. and yep. what the consequence is.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's why I I said that scenario because because people are going to feel like
2: yeah they get yeah but I've
1: asked him fourteen times and he's doing it on purpose. So again, I'm glad that you gave a suggestion because that's what I was hoping you would do. Yeah, just yeah, just, just something else.
2: Yeah, and it's you know for everybody listening, it could take twenty times.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's about the consistency. It is about not backing down. It is about standing in your power. And if they don't get it from the words, then that's when the action comes, right? Like, and I'm not saying do something that is, you know, harmful to you or to people in your life, but a simple backing your car out and putting it on the end of the driveway speaks loudly, right? Mm-hmm. I've also had clients where, um, you know, it, it, perhaps there's another woman. Okay. And the other woman is suddenly, you know, someone had an affair and all of a sudden, you know, she's picking up your kids and again, communicating, Hey, uh, in the future, if this person is going to be picking up my children, um, this is something I would like to know ahead of time. Right. And again, they could see that as, well, I got her like, here I go. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to keep having this person pick them up. And, Again, there's ways in which you can continue to rinse and repeat your request. And then perhaps it becomes, well, you know what? Why don't we do it this way? How about I pick them up, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'll pick them up because it's about your own inner peace, you guys. It's not Mm -hmm. always your boundaries get to be firm yet flexible, right? So, how is it that you still maintain what feels good to you, what feels like you're still in your power, Mm -hmm. but to be flexible? about it.
1: Right. Right. So, so because a lot of the listeners are still in toxic relationships, they're listening to this going, okay, yeah, but I'm still in the household with them, or, you know, I'm still immersed in this friendship or what, what type of boundaries can they start setting so that they feel like they have power, even though they're still in the situation?
2: So something that is going to sound really uncomfortable to some people <laughs> Is, you know, if you're getting into a conversation with your spouse and you're starting to feel like you, you know, your body starts reacting, you you start feeling that like churn, that discomfort, that gut punch, whatever equates to when you know that you're you're in a conversation or in a situation where you're starting to feel uncomfortable, you feel like you're being bullied. One of the best ways that I teach to my clients in disengaging in those moments is stating, you know, if you disagree with what is being said, all you have to say is, I guess we will have to agree to disagree. And I don't want to have this conversation with you anymore. And you walk away and you go to your room, you go outside, you go wherever, but simply saying, like, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. Or you can just say, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I'm, I, I don't want to have this conversation anymore. And you walk away. Um, they may follow you. Okay. Yeah. And you can stop in your tracks and turn around and say, I don't have the same opinion as you and it's okay. Please give me my space. I'm going outside. Right. Again, stopping, turning around, please stop following me. I don't agree with you and that's okay. I need space, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the constant rinse and repeat um and A lot of times it's hard to come back with an argument when it's your feelings, right? And I know that they try to manipulate, right? That, no, you don't feel that way. This is how, or you know, they try to get you to see their perspective but it's really about, it's kind of like you gotta put the blinders on to the eye, right? What you feel and to disengage and to stand in your power in doing so.
1: Yeah, and everybody has exactly the scenario that that you described. Um, so when people are just leaving, now you're probably going to say something similar, but let's, let's say that people are out and, and the toxic relationship is out of their life. And now they're, now they're venturing out and trying to find themselves and meeting new people. And how do they start there? Because like you said, rejection, guilt, acceptance, all of that stuff comes into play.
2: hundred percent. You know, the first thing is really to get yourself into a community of people who understand what it is that you're going through. Um, it's really important that you do the work on yourself. You you understand, um, you know, and it, what I did, right? It's like, how did I get here? How did I allow this? And to really start breaking down and understanding um, and learning from someone who has been through it. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You, we were talking before about how, you know, you can pick up a book, you can listen to a podcast and sure you get a lot of really great information, but some of what we've talked about today is putting it into action and being held accountable. Right. So when I say being held accountable, what I mean is having somebody guiding you, um, keeping you kind of moving right on mm-hmm. that forward path, but, you know, you don't want to get into another relationship too soon because what ends up happening is you're going to attract the same person, right? Mm -hmm. Like I started dating too soon and my best friend was like, hey, Wendy, you know, he's totally narcissistic. I was like, what are you talking about? Right? And I kind of had to like do this, like, oh wait, I'm, I'm not ready to do this. And so, you know, it's not, you know, so many of us have the mindset of I'm too old, I'm never going to find anybody, that's, that's your mind. That's your ego. Those are those negative voices in your head. And what is most important is you finding yourself, you understanding how it is that you got to where you were Mm -hmm. taking responsibility and really taking action to ensure that you don't allow that to happen again. And for me, where that starts is really with Boundaries is really is understanding and learning what that feels like, what that sounds like. Um, and a lot of it too is trusting yourself, right? Like, so many times we don't even know what self trust is because we've been so dependent upon somebody else telling us everything. So, learning what feels good to you takes time. So, have mm-hmm. patience. Um, you know, I'm five and a half years post separation and you know sure my ex-husband's remarried good for him I'm not I'm still single I took a couple of years to really find myself and to get my feet back on the ground because I didn't I didn't want to duplicate this yeah
1: and And you know what you were just saying you know what you were just saying about trust you hear it I'm sure you hear it just like I do you know people are and, and not even necessarily moving into the dating world again but just moving into social settings again. You know, they feel they I hear it all the time. Yeah, but I don't trust anybody. Yeah. And and honestly, what, what That's why both, these communities are helpful. Yes. And that's both actually what Wendy and I do. We both emphasize that you will have relationships, you will have friendships, but you don't have to worry about trusting everyone because if you put the time into finding yourself and recovering your own identity, the only person you have to trust is yourself that you will take care of yourself you know, and, yeah. and that is, that's, that is huge in, in the confidence building and self-worth when you realize it's okay to go, you know, if I never see that person again, it's okay.
2: A hundred percent. And, you know, it, it, you can't trust somebody else until you know what trusting yourself feels mm-hmm. right. I, you know, my ex-husband cheated on me and I, I mean, my world came crashing down around me and I remember I kept saying like, oh my God, how am I ever gonna trust a man again? And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking the same thing. Like, how okay. do you trust people again? And it really starts with yourself. It's the same thing with how, how do you know what love feels like? Well, when you know okay. what loving yourself looks and feels like, you'll know when you're receiving it, when it's okay. healthy, right? Instead of when you know it, it's it's the toxicity that, that you just got out of. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that goes to back to what Wendy said a few minutes ago, find somebody who's been through it. And, and again, I mean, we're both sitting here. That's what we do for a living. So if you don't know where to start, there's two of us right here that do emphasize the healing yourself first. We're not the only two that do it. You're not going to click with everybody. Find the person that, that you feel comfortable with. And, um, you know, we've all heard that, you know, you just need to love yourself more and, and all of our first expressions when we are coming out of this is like yeah i know but can like i know that that's the concept but where am i supposed to start and and that's basically what what why wendy and i decided to do what we do really you know we we've we've been through it we've sat in the trenches we've cried ourselves to sleep we've not eaten for two days we've done all of that that same thing and And we and let us (laughs) (laughs) yes and we have the steps to do it and we're not we're not saying oh Work with us because that's what we do for a living. We're just saying there is a lot of people out there that do this, so find exactly. one of us
2: exactly. And there's, yeah. you know, and if it's not Heidi, if it's not me, okay, still reach out because Heidi and I are both very well connected. You know, mm-hmm. my again because we both have very similar, um, you know, similar missions and similar values. You know, you don't know what you need until you talk to somebody who has been through it. And so, asking for help is so hard. Okay, I'm a control freak. I'm an A-type personality. Um, at least I was in corporate and in other places in my life. You know, not so much so in my role as wife. But I, you know, I am somebody who thought asking for help was a weakness. And but I think I think we're trained. We get reprimanded. It. Yeah. So we're we learn to not ask for help. Correct. In Correct. And, and asking for help is the best thing you can do for yourself. It is a strength. It is going to feel uncomfortable. And that is okay. Because typically when you're doing something differently and it feels uncomfortable, but you know, it's for your best interest. That's where the growth opportunity is. And let somebody help you to to guide you into what a first step looks like for you.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
2: you know, it's, it's so crucial. It is so incredibly crucial to getting out.
1: Yeah. I 100% agree because you can get out
2: and, and not know how to do this
1: and not even feel like you're out. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. Well, I love this. I loved this whole, this whole thing. I love this whole topic. Um, Tell the listeners how they can find you.
2: Yes. So you guys can find me on my website, wendysterling.net. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I have my podcast, which Heidi will be on as well. It's called the Divorce Woman's Guide Podcast. Um, If you guys want support in any way, if you need resources, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can schedule a call with me and I will support you in whatever way it is that I think that you need, even if it's not me and you can schedule a time by going to contactwendy.com. Um, and, you know, I am so grateful, Heidi, for you having me on the show and for all of the work that you do to help so many people. So thank you.
1: Yes, thank you. And I'm sure we will be seeing you again because there's a thousand topics that you and I could talk about.
2: I know, yes. like this is just the tip of the iceberg. yeah. <laughs> I look forward to it. All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Heidi.
0: Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. Looking for a community that understands? Join our Facebook support group, Strength Within. For more information on all the services Dr. Heidi provides, please visit www.coachingwithdrheidi.com. It's time for you to break free because it's not normal, it's toxic.